Narcissism goes by many names, vanity, self-love, selfishness. Now more than ever, therapists are discovering that narcissism is a hidden culprit in many emotional disorders and family and marriage problems. Join our guest psychiatrist, marriage and family therapist, Dr. Richard Fitzgibbons, as we talk about narcissism, emotional disorders and faith. I'm Father Michael Scanlon, Chancellor of Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio, and you're watching Franciscan University Presents. Stay with us. Talking about narcissism, emotional disorders, and faith, we have a regular panelist here, Dr. Regis Martin, professor of systematic theology at Franciscan University, and Dr. Scott Hahn, professor of biblical theology here at Franciscan University, and our guest, Dr. Richard Fitzgibbons, who has many things. He did a first practice career in family medicine, then completed the additional training, became a psychiatrist. His areas of specialization include very challenging ones, homosexual attraction, depression, anger, anxiety, and forgiveness. And he does teach at John Paul II Institute for Studies in Marriage and Family and is a consultant at the Congregation for the Clergy at the Vatican. And much of your recent work happily is on this narcissistic uh, problem. So how did you get into this? What moved you into this area, which uh, doesn't seem to be specialized in by uh, many? You know, it's very interesting. In, in 2000, I published a textbook on forgiveness for the American Psychological <coughs> Association books. And I had very little in that book about the role of selfishness, except in yes. marriages. But as I worked more and more, and I think uh, entering the, belatedly the sacrament of marriage, uh, and the late vocation, the sacrament of marriage, I think entering that sacrament helped me realize more and more of my own selfishness. Oh. When it becomes clearer to yourself your own weaknesses, it's easier to see it in others. If you <laughs> deny it in yourself, it's very difficult to see it in other people. Good point. So it just became clear in the study of anger, especially in children, <coughs> that the growing serious problem of excessive anger and depression in children and adults, much of this is not driven by trauma and hurts, much of this is driven by selfishness, the worship of self, the total turning in of oneself, which is opposed to our very nature. Our very nature. I mean, we're hardwired, made in the image of God, to give ourselves, wow. not to turn in. And when you turn in, everyone suffers. You suffer, but everyone around you suffers. And you and also find it hard to forgive then? Is that the, is that the correlation then? Well, the correlation, yeah. So what happens is when you turn in and you become narcissistic, you become like a three-year-old child. So yeah. if you don't get what you want, when you want it, look out. So in the sacrament of marriage, you explode. In the priesthood, you explode. You use other people, and uh, you harm yourself, and you harm others. And you're considering this like almost an epidemic that it's so well, There's a wonderful new prevalent. book entitled, Father, I'd highly recommend it. I think every family should have it on its coffee table, entitled The Narcissism Epidemic, huh. Living in an Age of Entitlement. That's where we are. We are in an age of total entitlement. Yeah. And it's causing severe harm to Catholic families and marriages. But the problem is, 
people don't recognize it yeah. because the whole culture we're also we're sort of imbued in this whole culture of narcissism and we're wallowing in it because the whole pursuit of comfort be comfortable take it easy right don't yeah. pressure yourself don't sacrifice yourself only have two children right. don't have more than two children mm. that's too demanding yeah. I, I remember uh, years ago reading uh, Robert Bella's book, Habits of the Heart, uh, in which he interviewed uh, this, uh, this remarkable <coughs> young woman by the name of Sheila. And he said, well, what, what's your philosophy of life, Sheila? And she said, it's called Sheilaism. <laughs> uh, and, and for me, yes. happiness and heaven uh, yeah. mean feeding the self. Be gentle sure. with yourself. Love yourself. Yeah. You See, know, the, 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 the result, though, is you end up with this self worshiping wretch, you know, who is absolutely miserable and making himself or herself more so. Yeah. You know, every day you consume that sort of uh, self-worship. You know, I, I think of narcissism and I think back to a friend of mine who's brilliant and he's married to a, a wonderful wife, but uh, they both discovered that they were, that, that, that their parents were, I mean, textbook cases of mm -hmm. narcissism. And so it's not just a problem for spouses to be married to a narcissist. It's also a problem for adult children to wake up and realize that they've been plagued by this since childhood. Oh, yes. In giving conference to the seminarians and young adults, I warn them, look, many of you in pre-K programs, many of you have modeled after parents who've given in totally to the contraceptive mm. mentality. Yeah. There's a radical change in Catholic paternity, a radical betrayal of Catholic paternity, and you need to recognize you've modeled after a father or a mother who lacks generosity. Generosity has been the hallmark mm. of Catholic right. families. Yeah. Okay, and so you're, because of the neuron, mirror, uh, mirror, neuron system in the brain, you're gonna model that behavior and repeat it unless you work on it, unless right. you grow in virtue, that is. Yeah. And, and this can be spiritualized, can't it? A kind of selfism uh, elevated to the level of a sort of Weltanschauung uh, in which uh, your, your spirit has no sense of concomitant obligation uh, to serve or to love or to sacrifice for others. It, it's the triumph of uh, the self-centered self. And, and you were talking about a three-year-old. I mean, put a guy like that who's 25 behind the engine of a huge car and you have a menace. Uh, yeah, yeah. You have something terrifying. Yeah, well, the Pope refers to this as being a prisoner of the self. Yeah. That's really what happens. You become a prisoner of yourself. And when that happens, well, then you become extremely lonely. Because, yeah. we're, again, we need to, we're, we're meant for communion. We're meant for giving and receiving. You know, I, yeah, but I, what I, a, there are a couple of movements out here that keep saying we should build up our self-esteem. Yes. And we ought right. to really believe in prosperity as something that mm -hmm. God wants for us. Mm -hmm. how, do they, how do they feed in? Yeah, you sound anti-American. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, Regis. <laughs> I'm really not. Um, I'm pro-virtue, <laughs> pro-manhood and womanhood. Yeah, so the, the many factors have influenced the growth in self-esteem. The culture is a predominant factor. Yeah. And the educational system, the mental health field has fostered terrible narcissism. The mental health field has contributed uh. in a major way to the breakdown of marriages. Wow. Most mental health professionals are narcissistic and someone comes in with trouble in a marriage. Oh, you're not happy? No, I'm not happy. <laughs> oh, well, definitely. You should consider the possibility of divorce and fulfillment, you know? Right. So right. many parts, wow. aspects of the culture have contributed to the very serious epidemic we have at hand. And you know, you professionalize your own affliction to kind of rationalize it. In other words, if you're dealing with narcissists in mental health profession, you know, you, you can almost see the danger because if the person won't confront it and deal with it himself, Absolutely. he's going to justify it and then justify it in other people, uh, and it perpetuates the problem. I believe completely that if you're an effective mental health professional, you cannot help people unless you've dealt with your own anger, selfishness, mm. sadness, loneliness, yep. insecurity. You yep. have to wow. be purified yourself, grow in virtue yourself. 
to overcome these character weaknesses. Yeah, well, let me ask you this. If, if narcissism doesn't make people happy, if it's really destructive, why do people persist uh, in, in remaining so the, narcissistic? Good question, Regis. So, so the short-term allurement is, ah, oh. this will really make you happy, you know? Yeah. Use another, cohabitate. Use another person as a sexual object. That's yeah. really, if one person doesn't do it, then it's like two, three, four, ten, twenty. That not, it doesn't work, but it's an, it becomes an addiction. Alcoholism. See, exactly, it becomes you, an addiction, Father. That yeah. you drink a little and feel good, and yeah. then you keep drinking to feel better, and right. you're a mess. We probably need narcissism rehab centers. <laughs> you know, when, we, when we talked about these symptoms of, of mm -hmm. anger and sadness and so on, it seems to me that, you know, if, you, if you're really looking at three-year-old adults or adult three-year-olds, that, you know, I've had six cases of three-year-olds, <laughs> and what I've noticed in my three-year-olds is that um, the terrible twos, that's one thing. That's where you really see selfishness emerge. But at three and four, you see kids who have a lot of fears. Mm. And, you know, I think it's, 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 the, it's the role of the parents in, yes. in general, but especially the father, to help them confront their fears because... You know, honestly, I think sadness and anger and outbursts and entitlement, you know, a lot of this is traceable back to people who never really confronted their fears, overcame them, and got this sense of confidence, you know, not false self-esteem, no. but that kind of self-esteem that comes from having been fathered or mothered, yes. and, you, and you're like, okay, I can, get, I can get through this. This is a good point. We definitely need to teach children to trust. Yeah. And trust is the virtue that diminishes fear in people. So trust is the wonderful virtue for fear, generosity is the primary virtue for selfishness yeah. and faith because you can encourage generosity in people, but if there isn't a faith component, why shouldn't they be selfish? Right. Why shouldn't yeah. they be the god of their own lives? Who can I trust? Why shouldn't they dominate everyone? Yeah, remember that great anthem that came out of uh, the 60s, uh, that movie Love Story. Uh, love is yeah. never having to say you're <laughs> sorry. Yeah, I mean, right. th that's preposterous. It's a delusion. Yeah. Yeah. We're always it's saying you're sorry. It's a narcissist creed. <laughs> right. It really it's is. Yeah. We're always yeah. saying you're sorry. And you feel wretched if you don't say you're and, sorry. And how do you have a right relationship to God if you don't say I'm sorry? Well, this well, is why, quite frankly, on Saturdays, we often take our... Um, uh, two of our older daughters to confession several times a month. And driving over, I said, well, I'm going to, con I'm going to confess my selfishness, girls. We go to yeah. today. You might think about it to yourself. <laughs> oh, you know? yeah. Or an examination, saying you're sorry at bedtime to God, yeah. examining your conscience. I mean, yeah. if you don't think you're selfish, you don't know yourself. Right. Because the right. influence of this culture on every single one of us is extremely, it's like the Death Star in Star Wars. It pulls at wow. all of us. Give yeah. into it. Be comfortable. Take yeah. it easy. Don't, yeah. don't sacrifice yourself. Yeah. Well, what about Pope Benedict XVI and what he's been saying about our lives being weighed down by this? Wait, so Benedict talks about uh, his wisdom is extraordinary, like John Paul II, we're so blessed. Uh, he, John, so he talks about our lives being weighed down and chained yeah. by the claims of the eye. You know, that the eye demands this. And, demand. and so to be yeah. free and to enter into a healthy, loving relationship, we've got to break those chains. Right. First, but to yeah. do that, we have to look at them and, and yeah. discover them. Oh, whoops. Yeah. Here it is, you know, they're selfish here, I'm selfish there. Yeah, you know, so much of his thought is, is steeped in the wisdom of St. Augustine, as, as Scott uh, well knows. And, and for Augustine, you have these two contrary uh, uh, gravitations, movements. You have caritas, which is love of God, even to the contempt of self. But mm. what we see now is, is cupiditas, love of self, so. which is oftentimes mm. externalized uh, uh, as contempt for the other, for God. Don't get in my way. I'm oh, yes. master of my fate. I have this sovereign center. Yeah, it, really, it really leads. We warn young people who have a combination of 
defiant disorder and selfishness, we warn them, be very careful, because if you, this continues, you could well develop a bipolar disorder. You could become grandiose. You could, yeah, well. by entering young adult life, you could be some, so carried away with yourself yeah. that you could actually lose touch with reality. Yeah, yeah you know, there, there's a, a polarity in terms of truth and, and, and the will, the intellect and the will. Either the, the will and its desires will conform itself to truth and reality, or you're gonna invert that, and your desires are gonna trump truth, and you're going to alter reality so that it really fits in with what it is you want to pursue. And you know, that sort of thing is not easily identified, much less uprooted. You know, that's the scary thing about doing a little bit of reading into this syndrome of narcissism, because it's, it's one thing to identify, to diagnose, it's another thing to actually treat it and to uproot it. I mean, it, it seems it's, to me one of the most ineradicable of the psychological disorders you, you, you describe. But in family life, this is why in family life, parents need to recognize that we, over the past 40 years, the Catholic family parenting has given in to the permissive parenting style. Yeah. You know, and yeah. we need to recognize that and say, no, no, we have to form our ch children virtues. Right. We have to warn them in childhood about this danger. I probably correct my children at least two or three times a day. Right. About well, this why danger. so seldom? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, your parents are, 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 sure. are intent, I think, on pleasing the kid instead of trying to make the kid pleasing. Well, with two children, you are. You want them as your friends. Yes. With five and six children, you're much freer. <laughs> much freer. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, that doesn't work in parishes either. I mean, you, you often run into spiritual fathers who are really oh. out to please people. They want to be oh. nice, they want to be liked, they want to avoid confrontation, Scott. correction. The, ma the major reason for the abandonment of the Sacrament of Holy Orders in the 70s was this issue. It wasn't, you know, rigidity in the church. It was the selfishness. It has infected the sacraments severely oh. because it was a major factor in the sexual abuse of adolescent males. This wasn't pointed out. This is yet to be addressed yeah. in diocese. It should be addressed in diocese and post-crisis programs. It has not been addressed yet needs to be addressed. Well, when you connect narcissism with the notion of entitlement, you really crack the code for so much of the abuse situations Absolutely. because you look at a person and you just want to, you want to ask them, you want to scream the question, how could you do that? What were you thinking? You know, and yet mm -hmm. deep down you, you realize that below the surface that person must have found a way to say, I'm entitled to this. Yeah. It blinds the intellect. It does. It really, really it casts it a shadow over the proper functioning of yeah. the intellect. I, I had a student once who said uh, in her parish, the priest would never talk about sin. Oh, no. uh, and, and the reason why is because it would only upset the parishioners. But implicit in that is he doesn't talk about his own sin. Yeah, Regis, so when you, if you give in to narcissism, you want everyone to love you. Right. You want to be yeah. elevated, you know, yeah. look at me, aren't I wonderful? Right. You don't right. ever be upset with me, so you can't <laughs> bear, like a parent yeah. or a yeah. priest, you can't bear a child being upset with you, you can't bear a parishioner being upset with you, you want to be loved and adored. Right. This is what I'm entitled to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, if you look in athletics, I don't think coaches who are narcissists are going <laughs> to succeed that oh, well, no. <laughs> precisely because they don't sacrifice enough to call forth sacrifice. I wonder, too, if in marketing and in business, CEOs, I mean, I, I imagine some narcissists have, have, have been elevated to that role, oh, too, please. I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> and you look around and you see the mess in the business world, that would not explain it. But again, wherever sacrifice and wherever facing the kind of problems that, you know, require you to overcome fear, it seems as though those paths are the paths that you ought to explore to find potential vocations of the priesthood. I agree with you. Yeah. Well, when we come back, we want to settle in more on emotional disorders. Mm -hmm. Exactly. How does that link with this? Mm -hmm. Because it's one thing to say, be generous and go along, but it's uh, another thing to deal with what breaks out in people's lives. So stay with us.
Pope John Paul II comments that selfishness is an enemy to marital love. This can be observed in a marriage relationship in which a spouse is narcissistic. In those kinds of circumstances or situation, the spouse is very concerned about reminders of a fragile sense of importance and significance. So is always looking to the other in terms of what can be given to let me know how important and significant I am. As a result, the other spouse is left with not receiving anything, but only giving. And in addition, there's no desire on the part of the selfish spouse to really consider what the needs of that person would be. As a result, there is fractured love. I came here to Franciscan not only to grow in my academics, but also to grow in my faith and to become really what God wanted me to become. I walk into Mass sometimes and I'm flabbergasted about the crowds that attend even daily Masses. It's just so refreshing to see so many young people on fire with God and excited to be at Mass, excited to celebrate the Eucharist. Franciscan University of Steubenville is academically challenging and passionately Catholic. Talking about narcissism, emotional disorders, and faith with our special guest, Dr. Richard Fitzgibbons, who has <clears throat> really probed this subject amazingly in terms of uh, <clears throat> how widespread it is and what effect it has. What are the, the emotional disorders that are most often influenced by narcissism? Well, the major trauma that it's <clears throat> causing in the culture and it's caused over the past 40 years is the divorce plague, mm -hmm. the collapse of commitment in marriages, the collapse of commitment in holy orders. Mm -hmm. And so narcissism, because it turns a person in upon himself, you then lose the ability to give yourself in a cheerful, loving way, yeah. and you always feel entitled. You never feel satisfied. Yeah. And so this is a major factor. And, it's, and of course, that's been fueled by the, by the like artificial contraceptives. There's a clear relationship between the divorce plague and contraceptives. Contraceptives fuel narcissism because they undermine trust. They undermine the ability to trust God, and you withhold, you don't give yourself wow. fully to your spouse when you contracept. And so you're enter, in, entering into narcissistic behavior in your sexual relationship, actually, without even realizing you're doing it. And so then the other severe damage that's done is it's caused, well, in terms of the use of antidepressants. In 1995, roughly 13 million Americans were using, taking antidepressants. Today, 26 million Americans are taking antidepressants. Yeah. And so, it, because it turns you in, it causes loneliness. God's first words to Adam about the whole human condition where Adam, it's not good for man to be alone. Right. And so narcissism makes us, as Benedict has said, What a strange feedback loop that you, you start off with self-indulgent behavior and then you end up in self-accusatory behavior, you know? And, it, and, it, and it's going to create an even deeper isolation and yet a deeper sense of entitlement to try to figure out exactly whatever it takes. A friend of mine who I talk to about this sort of thing, you know, in his own family of, of upbringing, described it as living with a terrorist, you know, who's got wow. a bomb strapped to his body threatening to blow himself up and everybody else at any moment. And so you live for days, weeks, months, and years at every stage of life, you know, with, with, with an adult terrorist yeah. who terrorizes everybody, but especially the spouse, with this sort of emotional manipulation. Yes, so kind of, you know, you hear so many, I need self-fulfillment. 
I need to be fulfilled. I need yes. to be myself. Yes. Isn't that the and, and so, the, so, so the young infant mental health field <laughs> thought, okay, so in dealing with your passions, if you, if you have anger, express your anger. You know, we yeah. know now that that's, that's harmed marriages terribly. Right. So the mental health professionals can feel this contributed to this. Oh, you need to feel inflated. Look to yourself. But the reality is, the way you feel good about yourself is by giving yourself. Right. We're hardwired yeah. to image God. God is gift. Yeah. So we become like God. We give well, ourselves. It's not the same thing as never expressing anger, though. Oh no, no, we right. we can express right. anger at times, yeah. but we've, but the mental health field has gone in one extreme direction. Right. Give in to your passions. Oh, a sexual passion, give in to it. An angry passion, give in to it. That goes against all of Western civilization view of how you develop a healthy personality. Yeah, you become pure of appetite. Of you, you grow in virtue. If you want to have a healthy personality, right. Right. so thank God we have this new field in the mental health field called positive psychology. Uh. We're now focusing on virtue, thank God. But so we have this, so we have this growth, getting back to your question, Father. So we have this growth in depression, we have this growth in anxiety disorders because you lose your ability to trust. You have a narcissistic father, yep. a narcissistic mother, your ability to trust drops, the children of divorce, terrible difficulty in trusting. Does this relate, you, you write about oppositional, defiant so disorder? In children, oh, so in children, because oh, yeah. so this is one of the major things where, you know, all of us as children, we all have this tendency towards selfishness and to give in to excessive anger. Yeah. So it drives oppositional, defiant disorder in children. So we just need to correct our children. No, you don't give in to anger. You learn to be respectful. You learn to be generous with your brothers and sisters. The world doesn't center on you. But when you only have two children, Right. That fosters this oh, special Johnny, Susie, we, we, we can't correct. We have six kids, yeah. and I remember one of them uh, who really did not know how to express his anger. And, you know, the others had no trouble at all, <laughs> you know. But, I mean, this guy, it would come out sideways, uh, and it would come out a week later, you It'll know, or three out. days or whatever. And so we really had to work with him, not to kind of never be angry, but just to kind of discover the rules for being angry. Yeah. Well, so I think the major rule is this. When I'm with our children, we teach them at bedtime, who do I need to forgive today? St. Paul yeah. said, no. don't let the sun go down on your angers. Yeah. So the key to mastering your anger is mastering the virtue of forgiveness, because that's the primary virtue that yeah. diminishes the yeah. role of anger. Yeah, but, you know, living in a fallen world uh, with a, a sort of defective nature to begin with uh, makes it tough it uh, to cultivate virtue. You, you've got this concupiscible passion. Oh, yes. You, you desire thoroughly to consume everything. You see this in the two-year-old uh, oh, who yes. wants to engulf uh, all of the cosmos. Uh, it needs to be regulated by reason. And then you have the irascible uh, faculty or passion uh, th that, that reacts in the face of, of fear or danger, and that too needs to be regulated uh, and governed by reason. How do you do this? I mean, this is depressing, this discussion, well, because I, 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 the fallout <laughs> uh, from, from this narcissism is everywhere. Well, we, look, at, look, at the, look what's happened in the sacrament of marriage. Look at young people, 80% who enter the preparation pre-K programs are cohabitating. The divorce rate of those young people is going to be 75%. Okay, wow. seventy-five percent is going to be their divorce rate, not fifty, seventy-five. And they know that. No, I mean, they so don't. No, they virtue no. is you know, not but, knowledge. But you see, with narcissism, no. with narcissism, you you live for the moment. Yeah. You you don't look at the future. You don't look at the past. You just enjoy the moment. Right. You, know, you become yeah. an idol. Idol. You know, idealize the moment. You know. And so it interferes with rational thinking. That's why we need some right. clear you thinking. Know, if, if, if a narcissist is a kind of emotional terrorist, you know, you have to, you have to find ways not just to diagnose but to disarm. And I, again, in a conversation I had, and I want to keep this kind of anonymous because he watches the show, <laughs> uh, but he'll know who I'm talking about. He, he talked about how a, a kind of ex-narcissist, although he told me there aren't 
there aren't ex-narcissists, you're recovering narcissists, you know, okay. so like an alcoholic. But you know, th that the more you meet another person who kind of comes clean, who begins to admit that he has mm -hmm. really been consumed with self for most all of his life, that slowly can, you know, but it, it, it very slowly, he emphasized the fact that it, it takes months and years uh, to disarm the other narcissist by having one kind of confess the fact, yeah. you know, and you hear yourself in another person's description, yeah. and you might open up to acknowledge that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, I mean, I was delayed location at the sacrament of marriage. Uh -huh. I don't know why, but I was. Yeah. And, uh, and then, so I realized, I tell many, many of my patients, so I have to really have to fight against my own selfishness, you know, just yeah. share with them how I fight against it. We all have to fight against it. Right. Reality, it has a powerful pull in every single one of us. When you say us. that to your patients, oh, yes. that opens them up. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we're, yeah. On, we're on a struggle I mean, if, if, if having a spouse doesn't help cure you of, of selfishness, having kids will, because they're constantly sort of plucking at your sleeve. They want yeah, this, yeah. they want that, uh, and you're helpless. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you have to learn a kind of virtue in order to be other-directed. You've got to be generous or they'll kill you. Well, this, this is one of the reasons we have such a serious problem in family life today, because we have parents who've given in to narcissism, and they, they overreact to their children and anger to their children yeah. to an excessive degree. You know, so yeah, when they push too many of your yeah, so if we, if we, as parents, if we fight against our own selfishness, yeah. we're much more generous and kind right. with our own children. If we don't, we're going to be insensitive to our children, either by being too controlling and too angry, or by the major problem today in parenting, though, is the permissive parenting style, yeah. the narcissistic parenting style, where you don't form your children virtues enough. Yeah. You know, to call permissive narcissistic, you know, is, is sort of uh, counterintuitive, because, you know, I remember hearing about permissive parenting when we got married over 30 years ago, and, you know, the patience that was sort of exemplified as the virtue of permissiveness. But what we discovered in the first five years of parenting is that what patience really consists of is disciplining again and again, instructing and sometimes punishing again and again yes. when you just don't want to anymore, you know. But that patience and perseverance, I think, you know, it's really the, it, it's the opposite. Permissiveness is a counterfeit form of patience. Mm, an interesting point. And it, it, it involves an element of pathos. I mean, I think that's part of the etymology of, of the word, a suffering with, a suffering alongside the other, a commitment of Self. To be in relation to another person means you're going to suffer on their behalf. We parents aren't letting get, get Father Mike get the a word parent. in edgewise. Yeah, parents yes. are really he may coming have to discipline us. <laughs> very strongly. Right. Yeah, but well, we, yeah. need our priest to, we need our priest to correct us in this area. We need our priest to form us and lead us so, in the battle against uh, selfishness. Depression and ADHD, these are things that also are connected? Well, 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 definitely. Selfishness leads to, I mean, marriage is about total, the total gift of self. Right? If you want to be happy in your marriage, you have to give yourself totally yeah. to your spouse. John Paul II writes about this so brilliantly in Love and Responsibility. You know, totally self-giving. But selfishness turns us in. Yeah. So, it, so it, it acts against marriage. We need to right. incorporate this very strongly yeah. into our pre canine programs that it's not strong enough now. It needs right. to be much stronger yeah. in our pre canine programs. Fight against it. Yeah, I mean, the two benchmarks of being a person uh, are self-possession. I, I have myself, but self-donation. I, I have myself in order to give myself. And I guess the narcissistic personality not only wants to possess himself, he wants to possess yourself oh, exactly. as well. Exactly. He, he wants to, he wants he to dominate. Yeah, he's he or she wants to dominate the other. And how does that connect with ADHD and depression? So, so children's, so the in children with ADHD and oppositional defiant disorder, in the childhood psychiatric disorders, there is a high prevalence of excessive anger, and excessive anger ties into ADHD. There may be a biological component, but 
there's maybe 40, 50% of children with ADHD also. ADHD is what? Opposition, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. But about 40 to 50% of those children have oppositional defiant disorder also, okay? So when you treat the anger component yeah. of that condition, guess what? ADHD symptoms, many improve. You can use medication. So the condition is, I mean, the, the emotion of anger, excessive anger, needs to be addressed in the families very early in life. Right. And the yeah. major enemy of controlling excessive anger in children is selfishness. Yeah. You know, so selfishness needs to be addressed and confronted or one is in big trouble. And the and you say forgiveness is it's one virtue. It's a great yeah. virtue there. Generosity in children. Yeah. It's also hard work. Because, you know, when, when fear is the common denominator, in many cases at least, for anger and sadness and depression, teaching people that you can confront your fears and overcome them through sacrifice, mm -hmm. you know, uh, that's again what my father taught me and his father taught him and I try to teach my kids. And one of my six, you know, I, I've got five boys and one girl, one rose, five thorns. And one of my thorns, <laughs> you know, had, had a real anger problem. But I would say more than controlling it, he's learned to harness this thing oh, yes. in a way that is highly productive. I mean, beyond anything I uh, have yeah. seen or, or done myself. Scott, so many of us males overreact in anger because of our strength. And if we can learn how to temper yeah. the virtue of strength, That's we're going to not overreact in anger as much. So the virtue really consists of this kind of humility and honesty and confronting the fears and the causes of anger as well as sadness and, mm -hmm. and just, you know, saying, okay, I have to get over this. Yeah, yeah. And, well, knowing, and knowing that there are virtues every one of our passions. Yeah, I mean, the, the principal virtue is prudence, which, which has to do with the truth. I, you recognize what's true in the circumstance, and then you apply it in terms of mm -hmm. justice to other people, in terms of yourself, temperance, yeah. and fortitude. Yeah. See, I think selfishness is one of the major causes of depression because we're hardwired to give. Right. We're made in the image of likeness of God, the tr Trinitarian total gift of self right. in the Trinity. We're meant to model that in marriage. You know, there, there's, there's a conflict here, at least potentially, because you're, you're quoting Pieper and the four cardinal yeah. virtues and right. the uh. emphasis on prudence being the gateway virtue to the other three. Yeah. And that's true. Yeah. But Pieper also points out, when you look at this from the supernatural perspective, what we're called to, he, he indicates that the prudent man is sometimes the last to convert because he has to take so many factors into right. consideration. Yeah. Mm. This is where I think the supernatural mystery of the Trinity, self-giving, calls for a supernatural virtue that often goes under the radar, and that's humility. Yeah. Uh. Pieper brings this out. Because when you recognize that you are called to love like God, you better humble yourself because you can't. That's you right. Know, supernatural yeah. grace is absolutely indispensable. But, but the Holy Spirit. I mean, the tradition of, of which Pieper is really the great exemplar, the tradition of locates faith as the perfection of prudence. Yes, you consummate right. uh, ah. reason by the appeal and openness to faith. And then you believe in something yeah. you can't yeah. see. So right? we need to incorporate this thinking that both of you are sharing into our pre canon programs. Yeah. We need to tell young people, look, you, you need to grow in faith. You know, there's a powerful force operating on you in this culture. It's called selfishness. That's why 90% of you, 80% of you are cohabitating in the pre canon programs, okay? You want to fight against that. Is because it that if you high? Don't, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. 80, 90% wow. of many dies. If you don't fight against that, your chances of having a successful marriage are very yeah. slim. Yeah. They're very, very slim. The epidemic continues. You know, if, if prudence is the entry for all the other virtues, justice is the goal. It's the end for which we, you know, and, and justice is where we give to others what is we what we owe them, what is their due. And I think, you know, if anything goes at the virtue of justice, 
it's narcissism. Mm. Yeah. The, the idea that I don't owe anybody anything. Right. Everybody right. owes me everything. Right. Yeah, you know, entitlement. I mean, yes, you talk yes. about th th that kind of injustice and, 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 and our blindness, the self-inflicted blindness to that injustice mm. just rips the fabric of reality and truth, you know, mm. and, well, and, and destroys social. Well, when we come back, we want to pursue further faith and what role it has oh. there and the leadership given to us by the popes about what we should do about this. So stay with us. One thing parents might want to be cautious of is a tendency to overindulge children. Sometimes in the process of overindulging, a message is conveyed that suggests that value and worth is based on externals such as physical appearance, material success, and accomplishments. This really evolves into a real fragile sense of a person's significance, resulting in the need for that individual to need constant reminders of his or her significance, and at the same time, not developing any kind of regard or respect for others. I'm amazed at the caliber of students that are around me. These are these are people that are striving to be saints. When you look around you, you see people who are full and people who are complete and people that are searching to grow in all areas of their life. This isn't something that you can find in most places. It truly has been a challenging academic experience that is preparing me very well for the medical field. Franciscan University is academically challenging and passionately Catholic. Well, we're here at Franciscan University making this program, surrounded by his students who are working the equipment, and our special guest, Dr. Richard Fitzgibbons. And we're talking about narcissism, emotional disorders, and faith. It's a big subject, and it can involve so many things. So um, <clears throat> let's talk further uh, about how the faith is the solution here, and uh, which areas of narcissism uh -huh. it needs to probe and counteract. Okay, so faith is extremely helpful in dealing with this issue. Um, many people in the mental health field tried to treat addictive disorders uh, just with psychotherapy. Very few people got better. Then they brought in a faith component. I'm powerless over my addiction. Turn it over to God. Oh, a yes. Remarkable improvement. Right. And of course, that was the key from the beginning in Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah. He constantly said, you know, to God, but then they said a higher power to, br yes. right. to yeah. bring in others. Yeah. So yeah. when you uncover this in a marriage, in a single person, in a priest, religious, and it's very powerful in every sacrament today, yeah. extremely powerful in family life and the culture, that you need a spiritual component. Without a, it's so powerful right. that without a spiritual component right. in the healing yeah. process, you're, it's, you're unlikely to make yeah. any significant progress. Yeah. The, the light of faith breaks into a crisis, I think, in a way that is truly remarkable. We've got to believe that, even if we can't just simply program that into our training. But, you know, the darkest night, you know, is right, right before dawn. And, you know, for Lazarus or for the man born blind, you know, for personal crises or for social crises, God often takes proud people and allows them to really become wretched before that light of faith mm -hmm. comes and, and illuminates the darkness. And, and so, you know, to not lose hope and to look to God and to have faith. I mean, these are sort of like the absolutes. I mean, uh, without these, nothing. With these, almost anything. So in, in, in every uh, uh, cure, there has to be some 
provision for what we might call logotherapy, right? Mm. The discovery of meaning. My yes, life exactly. has a purpose. Exactly. Uh, I mean, th this is the great insight in all of Dostoevsky, all of his novels, that man uh, has to bow down before something infinitely great, God. And if he doesn't, then he'll die of despair. Right. Victor Frankl, the search right. for he meaning. He discovered that right. in the Nazi uh, uh, death yeah. camp. Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, I was just thinking the popes have led us so strongly oh, yes. in this direction. They've yeah. been very uh, specific. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, John Paul II and John Paul II's writings about marriage and family life, you know, that selfishness is the major enemy of marital love, that if you want a, a loving marriage, you must fight against selfishness. And you must do it daily. You must fight I against selfishness yeah. because the selfishness turns us in. Yeah. The essence of marital love is gift of self, model yeah. the Trinity. Right. Give yourself as the Trinity gives itself. Well, if only the culture could communicate that mm. basic truth, that if you want, if you want to remain selfish, uh, I, I suppose you have a constitutional right to do so, but the <laughs> last thing you ought to do is inflict that on somebody else. The real victim of narcissism is the poor guy that has to live with him. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. We, we need, in our pre-cantor programs, we need, Regis, we need to have narcissism form, evaluations, which we have, we have available and hope to put it online by the end of the year. So young people who are engaged can look at this level of narcissism in themselves, rate themselves on it, yeah. and if it's high, you should step back. Step yeah. back from the sacrament. Yeah. Do not enter the sacrament of marriage with a high level of narcissism. Yeah. That's the time bomb that could destroy, and has been destroying, yeah. harming severely the sacrament of marriage and the sacrament of holy orders for the past 40 years and contributed in a major way to the crisis in the church yeah. and the priesthood. Well, what resources, uh, spiritual resources, can people turn to to do something about this? Uh, well, this is a good point. I mean, we offer some psychological resources on two websites, maritalhealing.com for adults and childhealing.com. Yeah. Uh, we need more. This needs to be addressed more. We need to, hopefully our priests can speak more clearly about the sacrament of marriage and fighting against, you know, the contraceptive mentality. I mean, there's been a sort of a timidity you know, to speak against this, the, the dangers of the contraceptive mentality, because that has fueled the narcissism. You see, when you only have two children, we're, we're, we're hardwired to have more than two children. We're, we want to be right. generous yeah. in, our, in our, our paternity, in our maternity, not be shriveled up. And so only having two children turns a, a couple in upon itself too much. We, want, we need more than two children. Brothers want, a um, male wants a brother, a girl wants a sister. We're being too selfish in the Catholic community in married life. That needs to change. That yeah. needs to be really Well, there corrected. also has to be a, a revival of, uh, of the spirit of penitence and yeah. the practice of uh, sacramental confession. This is where you go, uh, where you dump the narcissism and say, look, I don't want to be like this. That's where I go, Regis. Yeah. <laughs> Regularly. Yeah, if, if a contraceptive culture or a contraceptive mentality is the engine of narcissism. I would say pornography is the is the ah, fuel. There we are. You know, it really is the gasoline that keeps this thing going and 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 getting it faster and hotter. And and and, and this is where confession. You know, where you come. You know, one of my three friends who've talked to me about narcissism has said that in a conversation with a priest, the priest has said, "I have never heard in 40 years anybody confess narcissism." Amazing. You know, and and, right. and he also pointed out that the. Uh, that another thing that they never that is never confessed is envy. And this friend was saying that what you discover about narcissist parents or spouses is that they're not jealous of what other people have because they feel like they're entitled to it. 
But once they figure out that they can't get it, envy rages, where you resent that and you hope they lose it and you all end up secretly rejoicing at other people's misfortunes, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and those sorts of things also are rarely confessed. But, I mean, going to confession, and even if you're only dealing with the external symptoms at first, going back to confession again and again. I know my confessor has taken 10, 15 years to help me find the, you know, the roots of these weeds, and they go a lot deeper than I thought they did, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think we found out after the first show, Scott. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> I don't hide them well, except yeah. for myself. <laughs> you know, people say, I'm proud and then move on, yeah. right? Uh -huh. right. So, yeah. whereas you don't get to, where's Where? the yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, I mean, the good thing is that there are, there are virtues that can be applied directly to selfishness. Right. They can fight against selfishness. Yeah. Generosity, you know, self-denial, yeah. you know, mortification. I mean, there, there are numerous virtues yeah. that we can pursue and grow in, yeah. and that we, Catholic, we need to model this for our children, to yeah. teach this to our children, and we need our priests to preach about it. We need our educators in Catholic schools. Yeah. I'm sure, I think it happens here at Steubenville. I'd love to send my daughters here, you know, but it doesn't happen in many other places. The, the Jesuit University I, I attended, I mean, narcissism is exalted, it's you know, fine, right, pursue the, right, you know, worship right. self, sure, you know, have sexual relationships with anyone you want to, cohabitate wow. in the dorms, no problem. Wow. Right. You know, we're giving in, this massive giving in of religious communities to narcissism without even realizing it. They need to be purified of narcissism. Yeah. Our priesthood needs to be purified of narcissism. You know, the, the faith consists of so much more than just therapy. It also consists of the sacraments, but the saints, not just the saints. You know, I remember when I first began praying the rosary. I got to the fifth sorrowful mystery. This was maybe the third or fourth time. And I was considering the crucifixion through the eyes of Mary. And suddenly I realized that she, God was asking her to love not only her son, but her son's executioners. Mm. You know, it was like this breakthrough. I was still a Protestant at the time. Yeah. I'm like, I knew forgiveness, theoretically, theologically, but I mean, never that level. Uh -huh. And not only the saints like the Blessed Virgin, but living saints, spiritual mentors. You know, sometimes you can find confessors to do that, but other times you really have to go in search of parishes or programs where you can find older brothers in Christ who are really going to exemplify the kind of virtues as husband, father, neighbor, or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I've I've searched for those and I've found them, you know, but Excellent. it's not easy. No, it's not. It's important and it's very powerful. Yeah, it, the it's theology of the body is something specific. It's something that people get excited about here on campus. We have many talks about it, but people are still probing just what, it, how does it apply to my life? And oh, yes. How does it fit here? So it has great wisdom. Um, I love theology of the body, but I have to be honest, Father. Um, my first love is, passion is for love and responsibility. Okay. The Holy Father's bright and love and responsibility is my yeah. first passion. Because they talk, calls for the, the total self-giving to the marital, to romantic love, to the marital friendship, and to betrothed love. And those three complete areas of self-giving where you become, you, one, you surrender your eye to the eye of the other. You become, in no. betrothed love, you totally, you totally become one. And when you move in that direction, you understand that, then you understand this is going to free me from narcissism. Yeah. We teach young people this. If you move in this direction, you know, it's not about you controlling right. your, the person you love. It's yeah. becoming one with that person. It's surrendering your eye to that person's eye. You know, and therefore, and then somebody's modeling the Trinitarian love right there right. in that powerful loving relationship it's, it's the between a man meaning and a woman. Of, of Eros, which, which the Pope certainly uh, 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 recognized in his, his opening encyclical, uh, Deus Caritas Est. Uh, and uh, Augustine tells us, love is my gravitation. Where it goes, I too must follow. If it goes to the other, 
then I become uh, lovely and lovable. But if it's fixated on myself, I will never be uh, lovely. No. You know, I'm glad you pointed this out, though, because I love theology of the body as well. Mm. But you have in love and responsibility sort of yeah. the decoder ring, you know, the key that unlocks the, the truth of that. Because if you just do the theology of the body on the surface, a superficial treatment of that can lead you to a kind of theology of sex as opposed to the mm. theology of the person in interpersonal communion. Yes. Uh, for John Paul, it was clearly the path to personalism and a personalism that was really rooted in communio. Yes. Uh, and, and on the other hand, the, the theology of the body, if it's just treated superficially to attract crowds, you know, I, I think there is a danger where it could end up being misappropriated to fuel narcissism, not because mm. it itself is deficient, but because people might approach this and not be grounded, as you say, in that vision that John Paul provides in love and responsibility. Yeah. That's, I mean, that is the foundation yeah, to hold you're the home right. down. I mean, the, the, the making love that, that transpires between husband and wife, that should be 24-7. I mean, only rarely, really, does it become a sexual expression. Yes. But it's always human, always interpersonal, and it ought to be always generous. Yes, yes. And if you can recognize that, then, then you're motivated, motivated to fight against selfishness. Yeah. You recognize this is the model. This is, this is the great calling we have in some ways to sort of image, mirror the Trinity in this culture, yeah. give people the sense of this flow of love between a husband and a wife gives you a sense of almost what Trinitarian love could be like in the future. Right, so you, yeah. But to do that, you must fight against selfishness. Yeah. And you must fight daily against selfishness. Yeah. Or you're not going to have that model. You're not going to have it in your home. You're not going to be radiate that type of love into the, into the culture. One of the things we passed over but mentioned was this ADHD, ah. uh, you know, which is so prevalent in mm -hmm. terms mm -hmm. of either its existence or analysts mm -hmm. talking about it to patients. Now, how does that... So that, that's, that's a complex issue. There are many different yes. aspects to ADHD, but the focus we take on, the particular focus we take on it and written about it on our, in a textbook for the American Psychological Association books is treat the anger component of ADHD and, AD, and many people with ADHD improve. That is, there's a very high prevalence of excessive anger in ADHD. Many of the symptoms of ADHD re, are, are in fact, manifest active anger or passive-aggressive anger. So diminishing, it's a complex issue, but using the virtue of forgiveness with children and adults with ADHD is extremely effective in helping stabilize that disorder. Mm. You mentioned passive-aggressive. You know, that, that, that's another characteristic feature that my friends have indicated to me as being a part of this that uh, the passive-aggressive style of response kind of makes the narcissist into a martyr. Oh, absolutely. You know? yeah, exactly. That they're always, you know, putting up with everybody, right. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yuck. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh -huh. problematic, you know. Passive-aggressive, how does that make them a martyr? Well, you're, you're the victim. You're, you're, always, you're always the victim. Right. Poor yeah. me, I'm the victim oh. of an insensitive husband. Okay. I'm, I'm the victim of insensitive right. children. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then when you finally lash out, you lash out as a victim. Yeah. You know, and, uh, it's a powerful way to control people. Exactly. It's a very, very it, it certainly way to try to generates control. a lot of self-pity, which is really unattractive, isn't it? Yeah, it's the opposite of forthrightness, too, and that kind of yeah. honesty. Right. You know, and, and I think it's, it's worth saying that as much as we are called to mirror the Trinity, because we're finite and fallen and only partially sanctified, you know, every time you, you, you renew the marriage covenant or just get through the day, it isn't a mystical experience. You know, what you've got to find is the extraordinary grace in the mundane and the ordinary. Mm -hmm. And that's what most, most you know, of, of married and family life is 24-7. Right. You're just kind of bearing up with your weaknesses and learning how to bear up with hers and mm -hmm. all the kids, you know, yeah. and just trying to lead by that kind of example, which you never, at least I don't ever 
you know, finish the day and say, I succeeded. I really just right. did it, you know. But, but the good thing is, Scott, if you, if you fight against selfishness every day in married life and in priesthood, you're much more likely to be successful. Yeah. You're much more likely yeah. to have a sense of fulfillment and happiness. I'm convinced that so much of the divorce culture, the divorce plague, comes because people have given into this selfishness. Right. And right. when you give into it, you're going to be unhappy. Yeah. No one is going to make you happy because yeah. you're not fully giving yourself, you're not sacrificing, yeah. you're not being another Christ right. to your spouse well, or that, children. That's the best definition of a bourgeois Christianity as the Pope understood it. Uh, the comfort zone is everywhere. You don't make any demands mm -hmm. and you don't have much self-respect yeah. because you're not plugged in to the truth about yourself. Yes. That fear of failure, I think, controls many, yeah. many three-year-old adults or adult three-year-olds. I mean, yeah. See, if there's to be forgiveness, it has to be in the context of judgment, of truth. Mm -hmm. This is what you're doing wrong. Yes. Uh, and so you can be sorry for it and start over. Mm -hmm. you know, nothing is more beautiful than to begin afresh. Well, that's what we're going to, in our final segment here, <laughs> give the final thoughts to help you move ahead, begin afresh, with whatever you're dealing with in this area. Stay with us. Here at Franciscan, students recognize their vocation as a student to study and get their work done and be a good nurse or be a good doctor or whatever they want to do and they take it seriously. I feel that the presence of the sacraments on campus, specifically confession and the Eucharist and Mass, helps me develop a really personal prayer life with Jesus Christ, my Savior. That's awesome. The people here are so energetic about their faith, and I think Franciscan has the perfect blend of everything. Franciscan University is academically challenging and passionately Catholic. So here we are at the final moments here of our dealing with this narcissism and the whole range of areas that it impedes and misdirects. And so we have the final comments from our panelists here, and we start indeed. Uh, a couple of points, uh, but, but certainly uh, praise and appreciation for you, Rick, uh, for coming uh, on board. Uh, I, I'm so struck by how wise you are and humane, uh, and, and you have a good sense of humor as well. I mean, mm. if I weren't already perfect, uh, I'd probably <laughs> seek out your counsel. <laughs> but w one thing I'm struck by, the, the present discontents uh, that, that plague us, uh, they have a, a long uh, shelf life, uh, and they've been kicking around for centuries, metastasizing. Uh, uh, among the handouts, there was a, a piece about the contrast between Augustine's confessions which begin by Augustine invoking God and Rousseau's uh, confessions in which he sort of uh, ritually invokes himself, the I, you know, the self-centered self. Uh, and and it, uh, it, it triggered a, a memory of a book that I had read many years ago by a Protestant uh, theologian, Robert Fitch, called The Odyssey of the Self-Centered Self in which he says, civilization has moved uh, successively uh, from the love of God, uh, to the love of reason, to the love of science, to the love of humanity. But now, in this most acutely degenerate phase, 
we have come to the love of self, solipsism, self-centered self. And it is the most lethal and the most insidious because you can't imagine anything more appealing than to love yourself, self-approving oh. joy. And yet it is the most destructive. And I'm so grateful that people like yourself are, are uh, helping to keep that plague at bay. Okay. Well, thank you, Regis. Scott, what is your take? I want to end where we began. You mentioned a book near the beginning, uh, Helping Clients Forgive, and how your study of forgiveness as this necessary but neglected component led you to discover narcissism. You know, I think we have to come back. We have to come around full circle because, you know, there is no way we can just simply eradicate these problems for, you know, on our own, especially in other people. I think we, you know, selfishness is something that I have a difficult time fighting in myself, you know, and it's possible to, to fight it. It's not easy, but it's not really possible just to eradicate in other people unless you just kind of inspire or, you know, because I have found people who have been sacrificially generous, as you say, who inspire that in me and who call me out of myself. And I think, too, of Augustine. We, we mentioned him at the beginning and now again at the end. Augustine fought the heresy of, the, of Pelagius. Pelagius said, sacraments, divine grace, that's for the weak and for the poor, you know, whereas if you're really sincere, you just pick yourself up by your bootstraps and you can make yourself a saint. You know, and, and, and Augustine said, original sin renders us all in absolute need of the sacramental grace of God. If there is one long-term antidote, I think, to narcissism, to selfishness, it's sacramental grace in the form of one word, mercy, mm -hmm. to recognize that we need divine mercy yeah. and open ourselves up to it. And once we do, then we're able to extend that to others and then the supernatural circuit is completed. You know, then we can become not only in the process of being healed, but we can actually be wounded healers, you know, or whatever you want to call it. But I think the mercy of God is what we all need and the sacraments are the principal form for us to receive it. So this helping clients forgive, how do people find that? Well, they can find it at Amazon.com. Okay. <laughs> or our website goes into it, MaritalHealing.com or ChildHealing.com. Okay. Good. As so. long as you're a .comer, you can do it. <laughs> yes. Okay, what final thoughts would you? Well, first I want to thank you so much for inviting me to be on this show. Um, that uh, this issue of selfishness is extremely powerful within this culture. Yeah. and we want to uncover it and address it. It has wrecked havoc in the sacrament of holy orders for the past 40, 50 years. It has wrecked havoc in the church. It is the major cause of the sexual abuse of minors, which has not been effectively addressed yet wow. in the diocese of religious communities. Wow. It is the major cause of divorce. It is the major cause of excessive anger in children. It is a major factor in cohabitation. It needs to be uncovered. And I'm really delighted. I'm so happy to be here that you invited me here to discuss yes. this topic because it's, it's, it's a plague upon us. And it needs to be looked at and looked at It's because it's so deceptive. I mean, it looks appealing. Ah, yes, I'll be happy. So you're young, you think, oh, I'll go in this direction. I'll pursue pleasure. It'll make me happy. It's a trap. Yeah. It's a total trap. You know, you got to step back. I mean, look at this. I mean, look at the dangers here. The, and so I'm so deeply grateful to John Paul II. He became Pope two years after I completed my training at the University of Pennsylvania in psychiatry. I'm so profoundly grateful to him for his wisdom. Yeah. And this, I mean, I would come home and read in Observatory Romano every weekend to gain more wisdom to help people yeah. to see the horrible damage selfishness was causing in marriages and college students and children and priesthood. And hopefully, you know, this. We can look at this and address this and 
pray to John Paul II. We have a great pope now who addresses clearly the dangers of this, of this darkness in the human person. And the wonderful thing is that the virtues in the Catholic Church, the virtues can help us greatly, and the sacraments in the Catholic Church help us tremendously in getting this darkness under control so that we can be cheerfully giving, so we can really have healthy, happy marriages. Well, thank you for all you're doing. And uh, we have this handout, uh, our narcissism, emotional disorders, and faith, uh, which are excerpts adapted from The Selfish Spouse Relative by Dr. Richard Fitzgibbons himself at the Institute of Marital Healing. And we will send this to you just for the asking so you get a good launching start into meeting this problem, which is so prevalent in our lives. And uh, what do I recommend? The scriptures. Mm -hmm. The scriptures, the teaching of Jesus is so filled with, indeed, the, uh, the wisdom in this area. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. You don't have to lift yourself up. That's James 4.10. The Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with salvation. He blesses it. Psalm 149. The fear of the Lord teaches a man wisdom, and humility becomes before anger. Humility comes before anger. That's Proverbs 15. The Lord sustains the humble, but casts the wicked to the ground. Psalm 147. Jesus said, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Hear it again, like this child. I remember the one homily where I felt that, hey, there was extraordinary grace. I was preaching on, unless you become like a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And I said to myself, I preached this many times. I don't think it's had any effect. So I called up three children from the congregation by name, held two in my arms, and the third one grasped my legs, and they all beamed <laughs> up there and were just happy to be held and hold. And I said, that's what it means unless you become like the little child, just so grateful for God's mercy and for love extended out to them, you don't enter the kingdom. There's so much that we can learn on this, and it's a lifelong process. Don't get discouraged. Just keep going after it. So come and visit us at Franciscan University. Take distance education courses. Come in the conferences in the summer or be a student, and I guarantee you, men like you've heard today and our faculty will lead you to freedom and peace. Till next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you, show his face and have mercy on you, turn his countenance to you and give you his peace. May the Lord bless you. He was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. To receive a free handout on today's topic or to purchase a video of this show, call 888 333-0381, that's 888-333-0381, or call 740-283-6357. Email your request to presents at franciscan.edu, or write to Franciscan University Presents, Franciscan University of Steubenville, 1235 University Boulevard, Steubenville, Ohio, 43952.